This bonus episode of Accessible Finance, where we demystify personal financial topics and answer your questions so you leave saying, I get it now. I'm Eric And I'm Rachel Dye. Let's dive in. What have you got for us today, Rach? All right. So given that it's the new year, um, I went and found a bunch of um, like re- financial resolutions on various websites. And I'm going to have you rate them from one to 10, from not effective at all to very effective, highly effective, highly recommend. I'm intrigued. Let's go. Wonderful. All right. So financial resolution number one, building an emergency fund. Okay. Okay. So. We're rating it for its viability? For it. Yes. And the import, like the impact, I guess, that it would have on somebody's financial health, right? Because all the rage was the whole like, make coffee at home. Don't go to Starbucks. And while that's helpful it's right. probably We're not talking as about how it saves impactful. me 150 a month if i not make or break anything <laughs> correct got it you're talking big scale so like Clear. as far as how meaningful a resolution would be or how highly likely you would be to recommend this to a client very 10 being like 10 we're doing it if you don't yeah. have this yet oh, okay like, we're now we? i got it now. Yeah. i think we got it now okay uh 10 we're recommending we're doing it okay, okay. why and how why because yeah. we want to avoid payday loans and really we'd love to avoid financing in general because personal loans are almost always going to be higher than the risk-free rate which is the federal funds rate mm-hmm. okay so you know the federal funds rate right now is at about five and a quarter the risk the mortgage rate for example 30-year mortgage is at seven but like okay. an auto loan might be at eight or nine Okay, so we don't want to pay that arbitrage to somebody else. We would like it if they pay it to us. Yeah. Okay, so Does that make any sense at all? So yeah, we are definitely recommending an emergency fund. Yeah. And we will typically recommend three to six months okay. based on the number of sources of income. So we're talking if you're married, both people are working, making relatively stable, I mean relatively equivalent pay, not just same ballpark, mm-hmm. then um we're gonna go with three months. And if it's only one individual working, where if you lost your job, Things could get dire more quickly, especially here, if, you're, if yeah. you only have three months, that could be problematic. Then we're looking so then we're going to go with six, right? So yes, very important emergency fund. Please do it, guys. Okay. Is there a good rule of thumb for um, like what percent of your, um, I don't know, monthly income you should be able to be spending? Like what's a reasonable savings rate to help like? For your emergency fund? No, to help fund the emergency fund. Like if you're starting at nothing, you're not going to suddenly leave three to six months. So right. what percent? If the client were starting at nothing, we would yeah. want to tell them. I mean, ordinarily we talk somewhere in the 15, 20% ballpark right. savings rate in general. But if we have Which no emergency ideal. fund, right. yeah. we have no emergency fund. We're talking to them about a lot higher than that. Correct. Because if it's, chances are if we have no emergency fund, there are some other problems that we have mm-hmm. to address with, uh, but with cash flow. But if you're talking somebody who does not have firm grasp on that, like going from saving nothing or very little to suddenly saving 30% is a tall ask. Huge. So um, even if you're saving, you know, five, 10%, filling that emergency fund is Absolutely agree. Another point that I want to make real quick, when we said we were talking about three months, six months, we're talking about three to six months of your expenses. Correct. So the emergency fund will vary wildly based on what you're spending. Right. So, for example, if we may we spend ten thousand a month, we're looking for thirty thousand dollars emergency fund, right. excluding your current checking balance. 
Correct. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Unless, I mean, okay, so if our checking account had about eight thousand dollars in it, okay, okay, and then we had a brokerage with thirty thousand mm-hmm. dollars, right, and we were spending ten k a month, we'd be happy. We have three k outside of our checking account. Okay, you typically only want to include the current month, the checking account balance that exceeds one month of expenses. So if we had fifty k in our checking account, that would be more than sufficient because we have forty thousand dollars extra. Got it. Does that make sense? Because you want to talk the next three months, yeah. not including this. Exactly. Month. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, fair enough. Sorry. That's a little good. granular, you know. Well, you live in the granular. I apologize. Um, okay. So kind of to that end, one of the websites really said, like, look, it's really the time to um prioritize savings. Like that's a really great um, you know, resolution to have. Okay. Um, so the recommendation was to pay yourself into a savings account or set up an auto transfer from your paycheck directly into a savings account. Um, where might that be something that you would consider, um, you know, a five to 10 recommendation rather than like a one to four, you know? Okay. When, when would we care about this? Yeah. I, I mean, I, yeah, so you're right in that I wouldn't automatically That's, think this is about not even five. I don't think it's particularly Correct. valuable. Um, but, but when might the, it be a good recommendation? It's, it's a good recommendation if the individual spending is affected by current account balance. Yeah. Okay. So some people just, some well, some people spend indiscriminately. They, they don't do even look at that, right? what the balance is. But if I want, you know, sushi, I'm eating sushi today right. and I'm charging it on the card and we'll see what happens. Sushi, sushi does sound good. Mm-hmm. I kind of like that idea. Um, you should too. Yeah. Um, but some, so some people will look at their balance, right? So right. if they're, they're thinking like my, you know, I just was invited out to this trip to, you know, Florida, yeah. this concert, whatever. Um, I'm going to go look and see what I have in my checking account. If my checking account says $5,000, I'm not going. But if it says $10,000, i am in. Right. Because I know that I'm comfortable when it's at, uh, when, when it's about you know seven or eight. But those I'm same people are probably into the detriment of their emergency fund that we're asking. Absolutely, them. I absolutely <laughs> agree. So, um, so basically, it just depends on your sensitivity to the actual account balance, whether that's impacting your behavior. Right. If it is, right, then we're more likely to recommend, no, no, let's just take it out so you never get to see it. Yeah. It's never going to impact your balance. It's going to go impact another balance that hopefully you're not looking at regularly and certainly not taking money and transferring it to your yeah, spending yeah, balance, exactly. right? So we might sure. do it for people that are affected by their current balance and are Correct. more likely to spend more if their balance is high. Right. And struggle more to, I think, stick to like a pretty consistent budget. Or right. Something like that. Yeah. Exactly. Correct. Um, okay. Rating from one to 10, debt reduction. 10. Okay. But- what if we say, well, sure. Okay. So how do we compare that 10? We're going to dive into the debt reduction real quick okay. for a bit about what it is. But before we do that, if we're talking debt reduction being a 10, like absolutely have to do right, it. That's a good Building point. an emergency can't fund. Say, they can't all be 10. I was going to say. That's you, a very fair I'm point. I, you're right. I'm that's surprised you've really given anything point. a 10. That's a fantastic point. This is, you don't even give a 10 to like the best rides well, out there. we're trying there. to be nice. No, but I agree. We, well, we usually leave some room for upside. That's true. Okay. You need to leave, leave room for upside. Let's, I, no. let's start bumping it down. We need Emergency to be fund, clear. nine and a half. We need to be clear, though, here that like you have yet to rate your anything doing your favorite activity of skiing, skiing, snowboarding, like yeah. a 10, anything, okay. anything close. So, like, you're not a, a look, that's a very fair criticism. 10 giver away. Okay. I'm not saying it's wrong. All right. Okay. I'm with you. Well, so, but I think it speaks volumes about the importance yeah. of building an emergency saying, fund and Matt, debt reduction. Yeah, you're saying differentiate these two. You said 10 Correct. twice. Can we not say and it, 10 it, Realistically, it may not be that people which are in a important. position to be able to do both if you need to do both. So which right. how do we well, prioritize? Everyone's favorite answer. It depends. So what I mean by that is it depends on the situation that we're in. Okay. If you have very high credit card debt, 
there's there's a chance. And and if straits were even more dire than they currently are, yeah. right? That you could maybe lean on a relative to where you're not going to be, your house is going to be foreclosed on. You're not, nothing catastrophic is going to happen, right? If you miss a payment on something, right? Like if somebody else can maybe jump in for you, then we're going to try to get rid of the debt. We're going to try to service these debts that are 20 plus percent APR. That's right? what it is. I think, I think it really comes down to the fact that like, we're going to get those out. Debt, we're talking. It's going to be very hard to build an emergency fund when you're paying 20% credit card debt. Especially when your emergency fund's not really gaining no, money it's at not the rate that doing, you're losing right. it. It's going to be gaining maybe 5% or so. It's if netting well negative if you're trying to, yeah. Um, and I think that's a really good point that you yeah. made about like people have varying levels of support systems and things like that. So mm-hmm. if you're you know, alone in a state without familial support or somebody you could rely right. on, then it, it may Emergency look very different. Looks a little, yeah, yeah, that's true. It's a little more important. So to dive into debt reduction, which I think we both kind of landed on being pretty freaking Huge important. deal, but yeah, yeah, very much different kinds of debt. I know, yeah, we're yes. going there. Um, okay. So, you know, if we've got various like credit cards, you know, the, the average credit card debt um, in 2023 for Individuals has been six thousand eighty-eight dollars as of the end of twenty twenty-three. Um, that is the highest total in ten years. Okay. So people are really leaning into that credit card debt. Many people. Um, I'm interested to know if that number is inflation adjusted. It is probably not because it makes for less jumpy headlines. But go on. I'm just saying it is individualized though. It is not by household. Got it. So if you're talking a household of two adults, each Double one sure. would. Yeah. Um, but it's also important to note that. Most people have credit card debt in more than one credit card. Not all credit cards are created equally Mm -hmm. as well. So let's say that you have debt spread across two, three credit cards. Where do you start? What do you do? I'm personally going highest rate. I understand that Dave Ramsey exists and he advocates the snowball strategy, which is the smallest balance so that you can get those psychological wins. But if we have rational actors for clients, we're going highest rate because it makes sense. It is going to get you more so, earn you more dollars per year. Chances are that your client who needs that money automatically transferred into their savings account we're, may we're, be more likely yes. to, to end up having to uh, pay up the lowest balance. And just to be very clear about what that snowballing is, it's you know the idea that instead of looking at the one with the highest interest rate where you're losing the most money, it's okay, this credit card has a balance of 100 and this credit card has a balance of 1500 if I pay off that $100 credit card instead of having three credit cards with balances, I have two. I feel like it's something that I've right. accomplished. I went I'm from more three to likely, two. I won. You take, yeah. the, you take the smaller win. You're more likely to continue yeah. with um, those behaviors. Right. I will say, though, that if you're already working with a, like a financial professional, mm-hmm. you've already taken the steps right. to exhibit behaviors towards winning. Right. And they'll can, help. Yeah. Hopefully, we can move yeah. the needle a lot more than, than you right. need. With so I think that that behavioral win. piece that the snowball strategy or whatever would advocate for would essentially be handled by like psychological accountability partner in a financial planner. But um, so numerically speaking, the recommendation is clearly the one with the highest interest rate. Correct. Correct. Also again, debt we're talking, if we're talking mortgage and you locked it in before COVID, right. You locked it in before rates, rates jumped. Um, you watched it before 2022, then we're yeah, happy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. We're we're probably not we're we're not only not gonna pay that off before an emergency fund, we're probably not paying that off at all, including like just investing in your brokerage mm-hmm. for a car three years or five years from now. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we're not gonna pay that off at all. So not all debt is created equal. When I said debt reduction, I'm thinking personal credit card debt. Yeah. Annual um percentage rates of 
exceeding 20%. So you're paying tons of dollars on those, right? Mm -hmm. It's also important to note that you've got different, like you also have variable interest rates as opposed to your, um, you know, straight or consistent ones. Um, What about like uh, refinancing or consolidating debt? What about it? What are we asking? Should When should you do it? How should you think about it? Correct. Like within the, like we've decided debt reduction is, you know, 9.999 if we're reserving to, debt reduction is up there as like Quite high. very uh, On important. the personal, yes, personal debt. Correct. Correct. Um, so if we're talking about debt reduction, are things like refinancing or consolidating the debt good strategies to get there? They are. Yes. It depends on, it depends on what the refinance is, right? If you're refinancing from 21 to 20 and you have to pay a number of points to actually seal the deal, what have we really done here? Um, I think it's one of those buzzwords that people kind of throw around like, oh, we should refinance. Like people who want to know, like. I certainly fall into that camp. Yes. (laughs) It's a lot of, this sounds wonderful and how impactful is it? Um, And I think that it's important to run the numbers to really see what level, like, what change in refinancing would have to happen? Like what kind of point reduction you're talking to actually net out positive? Because like we went through refinancing our house uh, mortgage a few years back and there's just so many costs that come with it. Right. Um, so yeah, if we're talking about, yes, you're, if you're talking about refinancing a house for mortgage, you're going to pay, you might pay mm-hmm. thousands of dollars just to yeah. do the thing. So you got to be absolutely certain that you're going to be in the house long enough for that savings to actually materialize. Yeah. Yeah. And it t- typically is like mm-hmm. a year and a half or more. Correct. Um, okay. So debt reduction pretty high. Next up, we have got cutting expenses. And so again, this can range from things like I'm not getting my $5 Starbucks to I might cut my gym membership to maybe we don't need that second house that we have. So like the extent to which you're cutting expenses can vary greatly. But if you're rating just like the sit down conversation of looking at expenses and deciding what and where to cut, where are you landing? Um, out of tens or high nines, but I like this as a seven or an eight. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I like this for a number of reasons. I just I actually just read on social media a Reddit article. You or, read a Reddit. Oh, post. Okay, I was gonna say it's Reddit. I mean, okay. I so enjoy it. Like, I enjoy it. So the yeah, personal finance in Reddit was talking about lifestyle creep. Okay, mm. and one of the one of the top uploaded comments or the comment that resonated with with the most people was um, lifestyle creep is not necessarily a bad thing. The idea I think we would we would propose is you want to be intentional about this. Yeah. So it's not wrong to be, you know, living a little bit better in your 30s than your 20s and so on. Um, it's just you want to make sure you want to be absolutely intentional about where you're spending your dollars. You want to spend your dollars in a way that aligns with your values. And if you mm-hmm. value, if, if eating sushi brings you one hundred dollars of happiness, go do it. It does but me. Absolutely. I'm hard to agree. Yeah. Um, and, and then you can tell by the dollar amount that we threw on that. I'm a pretty gluttonous sushi eater. I'm just saying you could tell, you know what I mean? You could tell people are like hundred dollars in sushi. If we're talking eight to $10 a roll, come on guys. How much sushi goodness, are you eating? We have, a lot. We also have three kids who like can eat. Well, now. sure. But like, I'm talking real humans. And it's just us. I'm talking just us. Fair. Um, sushi don't, don't throw me a lifeline here. I'm trying to, I'm trying to sink myself. Well, um, yes. But anyway, the point is. You should look at your expenses to make absolutely certain that what you're spending on is bringing you the value that you think it is. So a lot, a lot of what you'll see here, there are some subscri- subscriptions that you just don't that's realize you're paying for. And that's the preferred medium that yeah. really every company is trying to get you to pay Correct. for these days. You got Microsoft 365. It used to be awesome to buy Microsoft Excel 2010 and use it for 15 years. You know, but that used to be, I mean, well, 10 years or so. Correct. 
I'll still use it 2013. <laughs> like on social media, I mean, I'm on social media far more than you are, although I'm more of a purveyor than a like sharer of the things. Okay. Yeah. Um, but you know, I've seen a huge uptick in the past few months of um like apps and and um you know, different programs and stuff that they're trying to market to be like, check and see, like, do you know how many subscriptions you have? Like, do you want, like, you know, they're, they're really trying to get you to, to pay for their program so that they could say, Ooh, are you sure you want this kind of a thing? Um, if you're somebody who really, really needs that, keep in mind, but you're again, paying for a subscription to stop you from paying for subscriptions. Paying for a subscription to stop your subscriptions. Right. Um, So being able to like familiarize yourself with, um, you know, how to look at your bank statements and your. Right. We've said multiple times, cash flow is important. That's where you're going to start with every, that's where we start with every client. That's where we're going to start with every person. And that it's something you'll continue. Correct. To discuss and adjust. Absolutely. Um, So seven or eight. Okay. Perfect. So the next thing is more in that like psychological camp, I guess, of like, Sticking with it, like um, finding a way to ensure that you're sticking with whatever plan you've got, whether that's, you know, an accountability partner or um, being very, very specific in what your goals are. Because it's fine, Danny, to say, fund my retirement account. But like, how do you actually measure success or actually move in the direction of doing that if it's just this like pie in the sky thought? Right, sure. so I guess this isn't necessarily something to rate, but just to kind of touch on for a bit, um, you know, the studies that are out there talking about the efficacy of um, resolutions really skyrockets when you're talking about an accountability partner. It's important okay. to know that could be probably like a friend, family. It could be working with a professional. Okay. Right? Um, Seems like it could be your spouse. Absolutely can. But like if you and your spouse are both struggling with similar issues, it could potentially. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you, yeah. you both may need a, another person. Or they could be the problem. <laughs> <laughs> you may have a hard job. I mean, I think that's fair. I feel like every couple's got something that you know is like kind of a, a sore spot, like a, yep. a, a, a topic that they're not really super comfortable right. having that conversation about. And if that happens to be money, then like let somebody else have those tough conversations. Yeah. So Let you're somebody not somebody else tell your spouse that they're spending too much so that you don't <laughs> yeah. have to. Don't take that one on. Yeah. Um we'll jump on the grenade. But as far as like nailing down the details, if you're talking about like increased retirement savings, like that's not specific enough to actually get you to, to know what steps you're taking to to do that. I agree. Um so you know some of the the recommendations might be things like um increase your 401k contributions to gain your full match, right? Or Definitely. um yeah, yes. We should always be doing that. Right? I agree. Um, increase your contributions to your IRA by 1%. So you can like quantify those things, right? Okay. Or um, direct half of your monthly contributions into a Roth account to mitigate like future task, uh, tax risks or something like that. Um, and I think, you know, to that end, since the example we're talking about is retirement, um, it's never too early to be thinking about retirement. Um, it's hard sometimes to get 20-somethings to... Be interested in thinking that yeah. part of it. I had this conversation um, actually Friday with a group of my peers who are also planners and working with clients. And one of them was saying, you know, hey, I, I have a rough time. How, like, how do you guys talk to 20 and 30 year olds about retirement? Because a lot of a lot of my feedback is great. That's wonderful. It's retirement. I'll care about that. Yeah, that's not 50. now. I'll worry about that later. Um, and, and my my retort is like that we don't, it's, a, it's okay to not be like, just incredibly focused on like, where's the income could be generated or how am I doing this? You know, like you can talk to them generally through it. And then 
um, just show them the impact that their current day actions might have on their retirement, given a certain set of assumptions and parameters. Right. So just say like, okay, cool. Like we can definitely like, you know, go to South Africa and take this like $50,000 trip or something Mm -hmm. um, and, and live there for three months. But then you might work an extra two years. Mm-hmm. You might, instead of retiring at 65, maybe we're bumping into 67. Right. Because it's not just the cost you're paying now. Right. It's the longevity of what happens when you don't have that money somewhere where it has compounding interest and things like that. I mean- And look, it's okay if the answer to that is yes. Yeah. It might be fine. worth it. Exactly. Right. You, like, our you job is just to open. show you what levers you Correct. may- you First, what levers you have access to. Second, what levers mm-hmm. will you- will you want to pull right. and then like you know which ones do you have access to pull at these points of time to, to generate the desired result correct and on the flip side of looking at the cost of things now look at the benefit of things now too because if you're 20 something and you're starting to contribute to retirement accounts or even you're just deciding you're going to get the full match of your work you know 401k plan mm-hmm. um oftentimes you know at least in my profession I know this has happened you have people who are like, I can't, I'm young enough, I need the money now. Um, but then, you know, 20, 30 years down the line, yeah, they're realizing, right. oh, I wish I, I should have, you know, right. and you can't do anything about it. But Yeah, your future self is very seldom upset with you for putting we're too over. much <laughs> we're over the for, for retirement. Um, and the fact is that, like, we have amazing software and projections now that can very easily show you, like, if I invest a thousand dollars now at you know just expected returns in the market, mm-hmm. what is that thousand dollars going to look like 20, 30 years from now? Right. And that's with the assumption that you're contributing nothing else between then and now. Right. Um, so I just think that it's important to to look more comprehensively. Yeah, absolutely that. agree. Um, okay, ready? Ranking one to ten, improving your credit score. It's it's probably marginally overrated. Um, maybe a maybe a five. It shouldn't be terrible, right? Like, but if you're in the like, I don't know, low eight hundreds or seven hundred, like if you're in the low eight hundreds, you're fine. Just chill. Um, but if even if you're in like the mid to high seven hundreds, think about what you're going to need it for. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, like, have you bought your house already? We don't have to finance all that right. much. Hopefully, you know, you're you're very seldom going to need large loan amounts where you're actually going to care. It's important to note some of the things we already talked about are tangentially helping raise the credit score, like reducing yeah, the debt, right? 100%. So like you're already making steps to that end. I think that the credit score, since it's one number, is so easy for people to like label themselves. They have right. commercials all the time. Um, it's just, it's constantly bombarding you like just that. Just a quick caveat. If you're looking for small steps to take or a small step to take to um, increase your credit score, keep some outstanding balance, so some non-zero balance. If the balance is zero, there's no requirement to report to a credit mm-hmm. agency. So you keep some small nominal balance, maybe $20, $50, something on your card, okay? So to show incredibly low utilization and require that the credit mm-hmm. card company report it to the credit bureaus. And that typically over time will increase it all else equal. Yeah. So like you, even though you're paying off your bill in full every month, like if we just charge on our card and didn't ever go and manually pay it. Right. Right. Even if you're paying the whole current balance at the time of your statement bill, it'll still run up maybe to five, maybe six K depends on what you're spending. Mm-hmm. And that could be, you know, 50% of your total, util- of your total allowable balance, your credit line with the credit card company. So anyway, the idea is just keep it very low, but not zero. Yep. And then, um, and then you'll have some, some, imp- some positive impact yeah. on your score. It won't be amazing, but it'll be something you might bump five, 10, 20 points. Correct. Correct. The outstanding debt is what's going to damage it the most. So being right. able to make sure that you're focusing Definitely on that. Definitely don't miss payments. Don't be. Uh, and one of the articles that I was reading had mentioned that, you know, 670 is like the big cutoff. Point. I know it's really low. Okay. So it yeah. becomes a significant priority if you're below that. Right. Um, 
but that is like the biggest, I think, um, stepping stone from like, will lend money to won't lend money. Okay. So if you're looking at, you know, working on the margins, like if you're talking scores of 670 or not. Yeah. Like okay. We're worried. At that but, point. You're... But at that point, like at that point, you've, you've probably got issues that put you there. Correct. And so saying like, oh, be, be very worried about your credit score is probably like the last thing you care about because you might be having. Well, like, correct. People so like knocking on your door to pay medical want, bills, right? Like, you want to be focusing on all what, of this. About us telling you to pay your. No, no, no. But you want to be, you want to be actively taking steps correct, to yeah. fix that. You certainly should care. Right. Uh, you should just change some behaviors that might have led you to be in the spot. Correct. Correct. Um, and we'll talk a bit. Actually, we can dive in a little more. Um, we to the end of saving more, or um, like we talked about, like increasing your contributions, or whatever the case might be. If you are looking to um, save more, it's also important to note, like we're talking about uh, credit cards and things like that. Not all credit cards are created equally. Um, depending upon your spending patterns, where you spend, what kind of benefits you want, it's really important to do your research in figuring out which credit cards um, you want to utilize. If you don't have a credit card and you can't really build up credit score, we like the um, City Double Cash. City Double Cash really good one. Sure. Um, another one that's really highly rated is the Chase Freedom Unlimited. It's 1.5% cash back. That's okay. Um, we like our City Double Cash, though. Yeah. I would just – the only the only observation I would make is, is, is try not – or recommendation, I guess, is try not to – let the rewards you're getting from your credit cards dictate your spending. Correct. Does that make sense? So one of the reasons Don't for the just generic 2% cash back is because it's not really heavily incentivizing you to go spend on one particular thing. Correct. But if you have this like, oh, like every time I book a hotel, I get, I don't know, 10% cash back, then it incentivizes you to go and book a bunch of hotels so you feel like you're getting more savings. That is not good because you're still spending 90% more than you would have if it were zero. It's one of the reasons that Slight well, caveat. Like caveat. It's one of the reasons that um, gift cards irritate you so much. Because, like, if you get a $50 gift card to a restaurant that you can't actually eat for less than $50, so you're then like changing your spending habits right. to go to said restaurant to use the $50 and then end up letting right. work anywhere. I'm a big fan of money. Just, just straight. Money. Just cash. <laughs> We're honestly at this point for us. Digital balances. Amazon is. It's sure, as good as unfortunately <laughs> we'll probably Rachel's probably no I'm just kidding I do I do a no, lot of it you do no but in fairness to us it's we're getting that regardless of whether we give Correct. it or not it doesn't Absolutely. change the spending habits yeah um okay so creating a budget definitely should do it yeah I, I, okay so I don't want to call it a budget I don't think everybody needs a budget where like you look at your you pull out your phone or an app or something that says like oh no my groceries my my remaining groceries balance for the month says eighty dollars, and I want to go spend a hundred dollars at the grocery, so I can't do it. It doesn't have to be that. No, I know it doesn't have to be as restrictive. But I think having an idea of your cash thought. flows is absolutely essential. Yeah, I think you should have some idea of what you're spending, and if you're spending two x the amount you spent last month on something, you better have a pretty good reason for it. Yeah, does that make sense? And I think just being able to really get a firm grasp on what those fixed expenses are. Mm -hmm. um, allows you to prepare and be ready for those variable expenses. So when the hot water right. heater breaks or whatever it is, right, right, right. you're ready for it. You want um, a baseline, I agree. And so depending upon how... and we creating a budget, whole, I'd, say, I'd say about eight. Yeah. And we did a whole podcast on this and like how granular you may need to be and different ideas and ways to do it. Right. Um, you may not be somebody who wants to be granular, but you should at least know pretty closely approximated like yeah. what's coming in, what's going out. Am I in the right. in the red? Like, am I in the black? Right. Yeah. Um, okay. Taking advantage of employer-offered financial wellness benefits. Um, 
it sounds weird and you don't even know what that means. Um, I pulled this. I don't know what that means. I know. Well, not every, I mean, our companies are less traditional, I think, than some of the really larger companies. But okay. um, according to this article, only 38% of workers take advantage of the employer offered financial wellness benefits. Right. Um, and 15% of them state that they're unsure of what their um, employers offer. These are things such as student loan management, wellness benefits, stipends, access to financial advisors, et cetera. I want to put an asterisk yeah, on the um, make access. sure you're very clear on what their yeah. compensation revolves around. And I think it's important to to put an asterisk there as well because, like you said, you know, there's no restriction on who can call themselves, you know, financial advisor, correct. right? A financial advisor. So it may be that I'm selling you like whole insurance policies, and I'll be your money guy, or I'm the person who. Um, works for Fidelity or whatever bank I'm working with. And, um, you know, I'm helping y'all to do your 401k allocations, but I'm also now your money guy. And mm -hmm. so I'm your money guy in that very limited that scope. Sure. Um, so if you're looking for a comprehensive or holistic uh, view, you know, that's probably not coming from your workplace financial person. Um, but there are lots of like uh, stipends for doing things. Different companies will do like... Um, you know, you sign up and go to the gym, we'll at least give you some cash back for that or something yeah, like that. You should know what the, the benefits packages are Correct. of your employer. Reach out to your HRs. Correct. Yeah. You want, to, you want to know what they all are and you want to take advantage of everyone that benefits you. Correct. Absolutely agree. Um, Very important. I mean, the ones that we're talking about are probably not as essential as like company match. Sorry, I'm flipping a pin, so it drops a key. Always. It's, it's if you've probably heard it on the audio. <laughs> if, you've if you've listened with us for a while, I'm sure it's been on previous audio uh, once. This is what it is. Um, I do think, though, like you were saying, that the employer match is by far the most important. And um, Right. So, I, I mean, I would say this is like a four or five. I don't think it's that important. But yeah. It at, just depends on. You should know it's there. But once you do, then you might not even, you might not, you might not really. None okay. of them might be applicable to you. Correct. But it feels like a very quick way to just like check and see. You should definitely. Right? Work. This is not hard work. Yeah, yeah. Um okay, so this is an interesting one. Reassessing your insurance coverage annually. That's important. Um about a 7, yeah, 6 or 7, depending on how out of date you are. If you're very if you haven't done this ever, do it. So yeah. like 9 plus, right? Majority of people probably don't. Like down here, I think that we have to because at any given time start to get our, dropped by your wind and hail coverage. Right so at any given time, your flood insurance or wind and hail coverage will say peace. Yeah, yeah. Um but uh you know beyond that you're talking about um if you have like lifestyle changes or you know reassessments for your home or anything like that. Um you know 22% as of the article that I read like a month ago, um, 22% of homes are underinsured. Mm -hmm. that um, right. Yeah. And that's, that's not good. Yes. Very not good. So what that means is that the insurer will pay the percentage of your replacement cost of your home, um, over what it's fair market value is. Mm -hmm. So like they, if, if you're only, if you're, you know, insured for 700,000 and your house is valued at a million, mm -hmm. right. Then the insurer will pay 70% of your claim after your deductible instead of, 100% of your claim after your deductible. Mm -hmm. And if you had a full... Loss, and they're only paying 70% you because you're insured at 70% of the value. Exactly. Yep. Um, so if it's how, above 80, if it's above 80 is the line. So yeah. if it's above 80, they're going to pay you 100%. That's your claim. safe. That's right. the safe. They're giving you 20% buffer there. Yeah. Because they understand the values are going to move. Correct. But they still want you to be insured for roughly the amount that, that sure. your homes were. Um, and so being underinsured, particularly down here, for example, or any any yeah, place that's really great. susceptible to um, natural disasters could be 
quite detrimental given that your house is probably <laughs> your most valuable asset. Right. Um, so excellent. I think that, um, you know, reassessing your coverage isn't necessarily even just the, um, the, you know, home insurance or anything like that. We're talking, you know, life changes that have happened. Make sure that you are looking at whether or not you, um, have a plan in place if you've got kids, right? Like, do you have a will? Do you have things like that? Like, yeah. I think just reassessing the needs of your family based upon changes that have, have happened. So yep. Insurance is one of those things. Absolutely agree. Also, check your beneficiary designations because those are going to supersede your will. If yes. you get divorced and you have your ex-wife or ex-spouse listed as a beneficiary on all your accounts, they're getting everything. Yes. Regardless of what you may want now. Yeah. Things have changed. So will, all right. Yeah. Go cool. back and fix it if you want to or keep it. You know, I don't know. If you want to. You do you, but make sure you understand a beneficiary designation. Maybe you're doing it for a reason. You're on purpose. Yes. Right. Very important to know. Um, and yeah, I mean, like reviewing your um, subscriptions, your provider, like cell phone provider, all of that. I think that price shopping and price comparison is a really good thing. It is. Um, it's how you will constantly make sure that you are in the best possible shape. It is horrible. I don't do it. I don't do it for us. You do it for us. Um, I don't like calling people. <laughs> I don't. Not confrontational? No, no, no. Yeah. No, not at me. Um, so if you aren't willing to do it, make sure that your partner is willing <laughs> to do it. Make sure someone is doing it. One other point that I would make is I would shop jobs every two years or so. That is how you increase your earnings. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's what we we live in a capital society. Everybody feels like a loyalty to their current employer. Yeah. It's understandable. It's normal. You're humans, you know, you're empathetic beings. But if you want more dollars and capitalism revolves around dollars, then um shop around. And, yeah. Uh, and you can leverage that if you want to. If you want to remain loyal, then leverage it and have that's them true. pay you what you're worth, and that's it. Correct. I mean, we definitely uh live in a very status quo environment yep. and so your company once they've started paying companies thrilled to have you perpetuate the status yeah. quo particularly because if they're not giving you increases your weight real earnings are decreasing by the rate of inflation correct they're actually like your purchasing powers right. go decreasing over time right because inflation exists and it's not zero right, right? the fed's goal is literally to make it not you're zero. getting a financial demotion in yes. reality and yeah. And that's the unfortunate reality is that yep. the money, like the inflation rate will continue. And the higher the inflation rate, the larger the reduction in your purchasing power annually. Yes. You should do something. It's hard. It feels very rat racy. Like you yes. got to try and keep up with all of it. It's, yes, it does. It can feel really frustrating though. So like if hopefully the takeaway from here is that while there's a lot that we talked about and some of it, you can feel like frustrated by, right. Mm -hmm. um, there are definitely things that you can do to make your position better. Right. Um, and then again, if you are not um, sure where to focus your efforts or um, where to start, that's a great time to start working with, you know, a financial professional. Um, I think that, and again, we talked, not all financial professionals are created equal. There's definitely a ton of websites where you can go on and look at um, different, you know, financial providers in your area. Um, Gosh, what there's Napfa, there's um, what is there? There's uh, um, what's the other one? What Fiona Network? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's there's a variety of websites where you can go and look at um profiles of different financial experts and what they kind of specialize in, what what type of clientele they keep, so that you can try and find a yeah, good you're trying to find a good fit. Fit exactly it goes both ways, right? Correct. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, if this feels overwhelming, but you want a good start and you're looking to make a financial resolution this year. Most financial planners will 
give you some kind of a free consult too, yes. right? So if you were to meet with us, there's two meetings that no, they're at no charge, right? And then you're going to get at the end of, or at the beginning of the second meeting plan, which will have the steps that we would advocate. So even if you're like, look, I don't have any, want to have anything to do with you after this, it's fine. Um, but <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not fine. I, I'm okay. I'm, I mean, I'm hurt. I'm hurt. But, you know, I'll, I'll live. And that's how this works. Do you, like, you don't want, we would never want to work with a client who feels like we would not be able to provide the value to them that we are in excess of our fees. Correct. Right. That's, that's one of correct. the, that's one of the mines. Um, correct. And if it's not it's a not good fit line, for... it's what we feel like it, we're not going to charge somebody money. Tell me. You're never going to work with somebody if it's going to leave them in a worse position right. financially than they were before they, they started working. With right. we were... My point was just, you'll get the one page plan yeah. and it'll say like, Hey, you probably should consider saving in a Roth instead of a traditional. And then you could go and do your own research. And if you want to do the legwork, go for it. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. So you can you take the rex, you can you can do with bring it to another want. person if you're trying yeah, to shop go it around. See, see right. if it's see if they have the same idea, see, see if, if they differ. Similar. Right. And then you try to make sense of who you think is more yeah. sensible. That's that's how this should work. There's definitely information that you can get for free. Um Absolutely. Absolutely. Just reaching out, meetings. But I yeah, would say almost call, everybody in the profession. Yeah, almost everybody will, will give you some kind of they'll weigh in in some way on what you should be looking at. Like right? very generically, right? Correct. They can't provide no, they're not very specific say, advice. Three thousand five hundred twenty dollars right. to a raw starting right. net, like right now, and then we're like, gonna do four thousand next year. That's they actively right. cannot do that, but they right. can give like for someone in your situation, these would be our recommendations. Yeah, these are general things you should be yeah. focusing on. Exactly. All right. All right. Well, thanks guys. Appreciate it. Um, if you like the show, please I please be sure to, you know, rate and review us. Mm -hmm. And if you have any questions you'd like answered or topics you'd like discussed, please email us at podcast at equilibriumfp.com. And um, yeah, thanks for listening. You can also visit our website. Website, equilibriumfp.com. Thanks, guys. Appreciate <laughs> Until it. Until next time.